Welcome to the Senior Soup Podcast, the DMV's senior resource hub and premier senior advocacy platform. My name is Raquel Meisset. And I am Ryan Miner. And the soup of the day is senior matchmaking. Our special guest today heading into Valentine's Day is Leora Hoffman, who is the founder and owner of Love by Leora LLC. Leora, thanks for joining us today. Delighted to be here. Thank you. I'm excited to dive right in. I told her before this even began, I'm going to be like 14 year old boy. (laughs) So (laughs) to control you here. (laughs) All right. So Leora, you were an attorney. Now you're a matchmaker. That's correct. (laughs) Tell us about that. How in the world did that happen? I started out as an attorney and I had two children who were at the time very young. I wanted flexibility in my schedule. So I was home on maternity leave with my second child when my sister called me from New York, having gone to a matchmaker on Madison Avenue and called to ask me what my thoughts were about working with a matchmaker. Their fees at that time started at $30,000 and on up. And this is the late 80s. That is insane. We're talking about. And so I told her I would be very leery of any kind of service that charged that kind of money. But I also said, you've given me a brainstorm for my next career. And she, being a therapist, said, what kind of crisis are you having with your legal profession? <laughs> and I said, never mind that. I don't know anyone who's doing this kind of work in the D.C. area. I had moved down from New York in the early 80s. This was pre-internet. So all you had at that time were large dating services or the rabbi or the pastor's wife who was doing this work volunteer from home and you really Mm. had nothing in between catering to single professionals and I knew so many single professionals in my work or my friends who were having a terrible time meeting people that's reality I always committed myself never to do dating the wrong way I'm pretty sure I did it the wrong way many times we all do Ryan everyone probably has their own wrong way what's the right right? way right it's trial and error yeah that's what it is Raquel and I are interested in your process how do you do all all of this and if someone is interested in taking advantage of your services what should they expect it's all very personal and intimate And that's what makes me different than other services that are out there. I begin with a phone call. I'm an old school kind of person and I like to speak to people. There are other services that will only speak to you once you've completed questionnaires online. I think differently about that. I want to hear the person and have a conversation with them and discuss what I can offer them, find out what their specific situation is. And if it makes sense to go forward, I schedule a consultation. That's a face-to-face meeting where I get a background, a history, a sense of the person, a sense of the person they'd like to meet. I explain how my services work and I then give them a packet of material which if we're face to face I just hand them. If we're over Zoom I email them the documents that are appropriate during COVID. I have pivoted between Zoom and in person. Once they decide that they would like to go forward and depending on how they would like to go forward they complete a very psychologically minded questionnaire that I've designed I begin my efforts on their behalf I should say that it is a membership organization so everyone who works with me becomes a member in one capacity Mm. or another and I offer a range of memberships which I believe cater to almost anyone's budget and how proactive they would want me to be on their behalf I was going to ask you about that what the type of questioning looks like the psych profile, how you put all the data that you collect together, and then ultimately choose who you think would be a match. Now, do you have a booklet of pictures, or do you have them say, these are our non-negotiables? Is it money? Is it some sort of demographic that you 
begin with, and then from there you section it out. I love that term, Ryan, non-negotiables, because one of the first conversations I have with people is to distinguish when they give me their criteria to distinguish what's negotiable and what's non-negotiable. And as a matchmaker of 33 years, I believe that everyone has to have a handful of non-negotiable attributes without which they could not go forward in a relationship with someone. However, people tend to come with a wish list that can be 25 qualities they're looking for. (laughs) And those things should be more fluid and flexible. And some people don't really know the difference between the two when they first come to me, and I help them sort that out. And I would imagine, because you know, online dating is becoming bigger and bigger now. How does that compare? Because now that you just mentioned that, that you really hone in on specifically coaching them on what an actual non-negotiable should look like and what might not be a non-negotiable. Is that one of the biggest differentiators amongst online dating? Like, How does that compare to working with a personal matchmaker? It's a completely different process. Online dating is based on a superficial analysis of a one-page profile and photos. People don't tell the truth, number one. I have heard countless stories of people who went on dates after seeing a photo and the person looked nothing like their photo or they were 20 years old or (laughs) etc. I really believe that there's no substitute for the personal touch. And that's what makes me different. I get to know the person. And over time, as they meet people and as they give me feedback, I then really hone it in, hopefully zeroing in on that one right partner. Because my goal in the process unlike a dating service, for example, is to find the person one committed, meaningful relationship as a result of the process. I'm glad you brought that up. What is a meaningful relationship? It's a connection. It starts there. And it has to be first a physical attraction, an emotional connection, an intellectual compatibility, and for many people, a spiritual component as well. It's complicated. I don't match people based on the fact that they might both play tennis, or they might ski, or they both happen to be Jewish, or they're the same age. It takes a whole combination of factors to make a good match. And as a matchmaker, I employ my analytical skills that I developed over a legal career of over 20 years, along with my instinct, which I think I always had for people. And that's what drew me into the legal profession and into matchmaking as well. But I try to dispel that stereotype of Yenta from Fiddler, because It's not exactly an attractive or desirable (laughs) prototype for matchmakers, especially for men, because it really puts them off. I want people to know that I'm very approachable and that when they sit down with me, there's no judgment. There's really just curiosity about their lives, empathy, and advocacy on my part. He's handsome. He's young already. He's 62. (laughs) But he's a nice man, a good catch. True. True. Can't I can't take you anywhere. I know. Because we are, you know, a senior resource hub, in the senior community, do you find that there's one or many certain things that they look for in terms of quality of a person as they get older? Is it more they want someone to travel with? Is it money? Is it is sex still a thing? It is very much so. But of course, it depends on the people you're talking about. I think it's mostly about compatibility at a certain age, plus chemistry, plus common values. as you were talking about before, Ryan. I think that's so important because when you consider people are living longer, well into their 90s, when you meet someone in your 60s, you could be spending 30 years with that person, hopefully. You want to have common values about how to spend your time together 
how to deal with family issues, how to deal with finances, how to deal with different interests. I have known couples who broke up because one liked to hike and the other didn't. And to me, I thought, they don't see the forest from the trees. If you really love a person and they offer you so much more, then go hiking with someone else. That, that makes no sense. Yeah, I think about all the things that my wife probably puts up with. She calls me a very difficult man. She said that I am her most difficult conquest. Men, we're not easy. It's true. We're not. We try to be. We think we might be, but we're not. Yeah. No, no one is easy, really, when yeah. you think about it. No one is easy. If you ask my husband, he, he will say, I'm not so easy. Yeah. And he's my third husband. I have had my own journey and my own struggle to find love while I have been doing this work. As you well know, it's much easier to be objective for other people. Uh, I was, we talked about that offline, Raquel and I did, about situations arise, of course, divorce, and then there's adult children. They all have opinions about who mom or dad should or should not be with. That could become very complicated. Walk us through that. How do you talk your clients through this process and help them make sense of that aspect of dating and eventually companionship? Well, first I find out what type of family system they're involved in. Are they really close to their children? Are their children involved in their finances? Do they need the approval of their children to date someone? Based on that response, I'm going to look for a potential partner who shares those values. For example, I heard of a couple, and I did not match them, but this came to my attention, where they got engaged, they were in their 60s, and they decided to plan an engagement party. The husband asked the wife if she could please put away the pictures of her late husband for the party that was going to be in their, in their home. She refused. They had a big falling out over that, and they ended up breaking up. Now, that's a poignant story because really what it said to me is they hadn't sufficiently done the work in advance to understand what their needs were, how sensitive the other one might have been to that situation. I married a widower myself, and I understood going in that there would be the issues of the late wife and how to negotiate that and how to become comfortable with that. Every relationship has issues. I try and find out from my clients what are the things that their most prominent concerns, and based on those concerns, find people who really are like-minded and who share those values with them. So, Lior, you wrote a book, which yes. I'm excited to get into. It's called Catch Me a Catch, Chronicles of a Modern Day Matchmaker. In the book, you talk about anxiety over sex and money. I have single friends. I know that it's hard in general dating as an older adult, but I would imagine as you get older that you're confident in your own self at that point. And you're like, this is me, take it or leave it. I got nothing to lose. Why do you find that people still have anxiety over sex and money? as a senior or just an older adult in general? As people age, myself included, I'm now a senior technically, I'm 65, you become much more of who you are as you age. It doesn't get milder. You come into your own at a certain age and you don't need to apologize for that, nor do you want to. And so you want to find someone who really can see you, can really understand, see who you are, appreciate you for who you are without putting on airs, without having to hide the fact that you may have, you know, meaningful wealth, for example, you want to be appreciated and celebrated. 
for who you are. Confidence in yourself is really the most important thing going into a relationship. In the senior community, the idea of meeting somebody, and you're both married so you can relate to this, it takes courage to be intimate with a person. And as you get older, you get more concerned about how you look. What I've heard is men are concerned about sexual performance, and women are concerned about how they look physically. I've heard women say they don't want to turn the lights on in the room when they're intimate with someone. Well, I'd fall over. <laughs> <laughs> my eyesight's get worse every year. <laughs> you know, my book goes into a lot of anecdotes of this nature, of people who were struggling with their sex life in a new relationship or how to deal with money. One person has more than the other. How do they handle that? How do they share? All of these things are very fraught, which is why I wrote this book in large part to really let people understand that anything can be worked out when there's motivation to work things out. It's not only a book for singles, giving them a message of hope that it's never too late to find love well into the senior years, but also for couples that a good relationship takes work. It doesn't happen like magic. It takes ongoing effort and compromise. And I've been very open about the fact that my husband and I have sought couples therapy, which has really enhanced our relationship tremendously. I wanted it to be a book that everyone can relate to on some level. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because my wife and I have too. And there was a time where we both said, we need help communicating. Honestly, this has been the best thing that's ever happened to our marriage. And at first I was like, I don't know. I'm not really keen on opening up to somebody I don't know. It was a trust thing and I don't trust easily. It came to be where those sessions I looked forward to because we learned a little nugget about one another that we may not have otherwise been able to discern from talking to one another. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I have been therapized myself quite a lot. In fact, I'm surrounded by therapists. My husband is a forensic psychologist. My daughter is a clinical psychologist. My sister is a psychoanalyst. I've given them a lot of practice. So yes, it can only enhance a relationship. I'm a big supporter of that. The other thing that I always coach people and counsel them about is humor. Have a good time with it. We all get stuck, we all have conflict, and we all have our own self-doubts. But when you can laugh through a situation together, there's nothing more bonding than that. I have to say, if it weren't for the sense of humor my husband and I share, I don't know where we'd be. It's such a bonding thing when you can laugh with a person. See, I just have to make my husband watch a reality show with me, and then he'll realize how normal we are. You should bring that up. Yeah, the reality shows. So you were a matchmaker before it was a thing, because we have those shows, Millionaire Matchmakers, and that was like the big one. But then a lot of other ones, you know, Bravo and E started doing, and then The Bachelor. The Bachelor is just entertaining in general. Shows like The Millionaire Matchmaker, how does that compared to real life matchmaking? Is that a little similar? I appreciated that that show put matchmaking on the map because Mm -hmm. prior to that, there was a real taboo about going to a matchmaker. Just as therapists were, it was a taboo. But it's not real. It wasn't real matchmaking in my view because it was based first of all on how people looked. You would choose someone from a lineup essentially and then see if they got along. Now, of course, looks are important and everyone has to be attracted. A good relationship has got to have a foundation a lot deeper than that. When you start there and work backwards, 
it can often backfire. Could you tell us some stories, some success stories? Do you go to their weddings? You know, it's funny. About half the people who have married through me were embarrassed to tell people how they met and never invited oh. me. And the other half have, and, you know, I'm practically a member of the family. Aww. So I used to take it personally in the beginning. When if they, they didn't, didn't invite you? Yes, I, it hurt my feelings. <laughs> oh, but yeah. then I realized that it wasn't about me. It was really just about their own feelings of whatever embarrassment that they had gone to a matchmaker. I say, job well done. I'm shouted from the rooftop. Do you go into senior living communities? I specialize, actually, in the 50-plus and senior demographic. More and more, as you talked about, Ryan, people are losing spouses. Loneliness is a really big problem among the senior demographic. According to the Surgeon General, it's an actual epidemic. I consider it a privilege to work with the senior population and to help them find happiness after loss especially and divorce. So how does that look, you know, when you're helping coach and support someone who has gone through loss and or divorce, how do you get them to open up to what you said, you know, having more hope because it's never too late? Well, first of all, I tell them that they're not going to find their spouse in someone new. They have to let go of that connection, not let go emotionally, of course. One never can or should. What I mean to say is They have to not feel that they're looking for a carbon copy of the person they lost because that's a setup for failure. Helping them embrace a whole new experience is really what it's about. It's apples and oranges. You you don't compare the two. You just realize you're living in the present. You have a future ahead of you. You don't want to be stuck in the past. You want to open yourself up to a different kind of love. Equally as special, just different. Do you find the older population to be easier or more difficult to matchmake versus a younger population? I find it easier. I really enjoy the older demographic because, first of all, people are more realistic. They're not looking for perfection. They understand nothing is perfect. As I said, they've come into their own. They know who they are. They make no apologies. They tend to be financially stable. They're not worried about somebody supporting them. They certainly don't want to support anyone else at a certain stage in life. And that's something to be mindful of. And there are ways around that legally and I always tell people, you know, you can solve any problem. There are prenups. There are ways to really work out financial differences. It's about moving forward in a happier way and spending a quality experience with somebody that, you know, may or may not lead to marriage. A lot of people in this age group don't want to get married. It's too complicated. But they want a committed companion, and they want somebody, hopefully, that they can travel with. That's a big thing I hear. People want to travel. It's so great because the heavy lifting of raising children and building careers is behind most people. They have the opportunity to really invest in a new relationship and do the things they couldn't do when they were busy with those other matters. I'll share a secret. Uh-uh. <laughs> I feel the inclination to share that. I think one of my my worst fears in life is dying alone, not having anybody around me or well, yeah. dying without family members. And I think that if I were at a, a point where if I'm up there in years and I'm looking for somebody, for me, who's going to be the companion for for me, to love me for who I am, to be there for me, for me to be there for them. I think working with an older adult in that respect would be very rewarding. Absolutely. In fact, you asked for a story. I have a, a burial story which happened on a first date, which was unfortunate, and I'm not sure how the conversation between these two veered into the territory of funerals. 
but they began discussing this on a first date. My client called me. I actually was representing him and recruited the woman to meet him. And he called me the next day and he said, she was everything you described, Lior. She was attractive, smart, really nice, but I encountered a deal breaker. And I said, what? And he said, well, we started talking about end of life issues and she told me she plans to be cremated. And I would never even consider marrying anyone who wouldn't be buried next to me. So mm. I'm not sure it makes sense to go forward. Wow. I was so blown away How by that. How do you respond to that? Well, first of all, I said, if I were you, I would worry more about living with someone than dying with them. Ooh, drop the mic. <laughs> That's pretty good. And, and I had to laugh I've because, no as I said, I'm not sure who initiated that conversation. It's really not fodder for her first date. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, you can't say on day one, the minute you lay eyes on someone, how it's going to be if you were to be involved in a long-term relationship with them and bond with them. People make different decisions. So if you fell in love, maybe she would think differently. But that's not the point. It's way, way inappropriate to be even talking about that when you're just getting to know someone. Oh, my yeah, first I date. could totally see you doing that. What? Say Ta- what? Talking about something like that. <laughs> I told my wife, you know what to do. Go upstairs, get in the lockbox. We have the will. We, ha- we know a great estate's attorney. Her name is Sarah Broder, and she works for Stein Sperling. All of these topics bring up these important life issues. So if you need to get your affairs in order, call Sarah Broder. She's great. She's our favorite. It's a question of priorities. If you really want to be in a loving relationship, you have to make certain compromises and certain investments. I look at my service as an investment, just like you would invest in a realtor or an accountant to get the job done. It's equally as important depending on what your priorities are. And I always tell people, think about what you invested in your education and in building your career. Why wouldn't you invest an equal or even more amount in your personal life? Because when you think about what you're going to, quality of life and what's going to make you happy, it's work and love and that combination. And once the work part is over, then the love becomes even more important. If Raquel ever divorces me from this podcast, I have to hire a matchmaker to find... So, oh, no, that no, would never happen. No, I hope not. <laughs> Is there ever a time where someone comes to you and you turn them away and you don't feel like they're ready? Yes, uh, that has happened. I've had people who were newly widowed who really clearly were not ready to move forward. And I asked them to really take the time to grieve and come back when they felt they were not sobbing in my office. You know, understandable. But I don't want to take advantage of people's vulnerabilities. That was a situation I remember. There have been other situations where it's clear that the person is what they call commitment phobic, not really able to take a relationship to completion. And that happens a lot. You know, there's certain patterns. It's easy to discern when somebody behaves in the same way in serial relationship. That's not a good candidate for my service. So let's think of a scenario. So say someone, Sandy, comes to you and she says, I want to move forward. This is what I'm looking for. Do you have a book of gentlemen that you pick from? Or what if you don't have her type? Do you go seek her type? Like, how does that work? So intriguing. Yes. Well, I do have a database of people 
already pre-existing in my network who are available to be matched with my active clients. I call them resource members. Okay. And so when somebody comes to me, there are really two tracks. One is an active membership track where I'm working for them. And the other track is a resource track where they're in my pool and they're available to be matched. And I charge very differently for the two. So first I go to my pool. Presuming that Sandy wants me to do what I call an executive search, I would draw from my pool if I have anyone appropriate, but I also draft what I call an action plan. We have a roadmap of where I'm going to search, what resources I'm going to tap into on her behalf. I have scouts who work for me, who help recruit for me. And so we develop a whole plan and it's kind of a one-two punch where I draw from my network if I have appropriate people, and I also am accessing the community at large. It's, it's a really effective way of moving forward, but I only do one referral at a time. I will not confuse people. When I introduce someone, it's because I have the confidence that this is a good match. I want to see how that plays out first before I think of the next prospect. But with each piece of feedback, the next prospect becomes clearer. Age is clearly a thing. Do you have people who have come to you and said, I really need someone significantly younger than me? And how do you approach that? There is that stereotype that men want younger. I encounter this every day. I'm a feminist and I really am about people's qualities and their inherent value rather than placing a number on them. If somebody is 70, you can be 70 going on 50, or you could be 70 going on 90. It's really about that person's energy level, their fitness level, their personality. I don't like to stereotype. I tell the men constantly not to have an aversion to dating somebody their own age or even older. I mean, nobody's having children at this stage in life. The issue of age is really irrelevant at a certain point. And we know women live longer than men, typically. Mm -hmm. So it makes more sense to have the woman even be a few years older. Well, let's say if you had a, a guy that was mid-70s, maybe approaching 80, and he says, Leora, I want to have kids. I want to find a partner who will have my child. Is so, that reality? I mean, has that come? That has not happened. Okay. I'm going to be that guy one day. Again, not surprised. <laughs> I've heard a lot of things over the 33 years, but I've not had that request. So I'm originally from Florida. Um, my parents are still there. My grandma lives with them. And I know that in the press, in the past, you know, in these large senior living communities, there is a hot topic about a high rate of STDs. How does that conversation look like? I imagine if they do become intimate, is there some sort of screening process? Well, that's not my bailiwick. But yes, I have heard that there's a lot of sexual activity going on in senior living communities and I think that's wonderful and in fact one of the uh, women who wrote an endorsement for my book is in her 90s and she met a gentleman in her community who was a year older so they're 94 and 95 they fell in love they both got COVID sadly mm. they were both hospitalized and very seriously mm -hmm. ill mm -hmm. and she told me had it not been for that relationship they would not have survived oh, both of wow. them so they had a reason to pull through. The strength of their love did that. It's so inspiring. Speaking of COVID, during the pandemic, how did that affect matchmaking? Did it make people want to do it more because they were lonely and this was more of a tailored service? Yes, I was surprised that there was such demand, more demand even 
for my services because people were isolated and they needed the help. But then I had to negotiate all the issues of whether they would meet online, whether they would meet in person, who needed to be masked, who was okay without a mask, would they dine indoors. It was very complicated, but I have some great success COVID stories. I am very gratified that it worked in that way. A noble care provides home-based primary care. Before two couples who are you know, ready to get intimate, they need both checked out, our providers can uh, check them out. Swoop in there. And then <laughs> your wonderful caregivers. They can take them. They can, they can take drive, them on a date. They can drive them around, yeah. Listen, we got to think like a business person. Exactly, <laughs> one-stop shopping. But seriously, I know care providers, if you need to get checked out, we'll get you checked out. And then my Amada Senior caregivers can take you around town and have a little special VIP date. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It really is never too late. Never. And I'm an ultimate romantic. I could not oh. run this business if I weren't. I really believe in the strength of love, and I've seen it over and over again. So Valentine's Day is around the corner. What is your take on Valentine's Day? I have mixed feelings about it. I celebrate it with my husband, but I do think it's kind of corny and a bit of a hallmark-created celebrations. I really feel for people who are not in the relationship of their choice and feel depressed around Valentine's Day because of that. You know, that's just an unnecessary level of stress. There is a bit of resentment on my part towards that social pressure. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. I have a good... I probably can't tell this joke. Never mind. (laughs) I was going to tell a Valentine's (laughs) Day joke. What would some advice be for those people who are feeling down, whether they're single or whether they are just in an unhappy relationship? Well, I would say celebrate yourself. Because that's where any good and happy relationship begins, with that self-energy that you bring to the other person. If you're single, plan a trip. Go get a massage. Get a facial. Go on a shopping spree. Do something special for yourself. Just celebrate yourself instead of just wallowing in self-pity because you're not in the relationship you'd like to be in. Yeah, and I love that. It's all about being happy with yourself. Because if you're not happy with yourself, you can't be happy with someone else. So, Liara, tell us where people can find your book. Uh, My book is on Amazon. It's called Catch Me a Catch, Chronicles of a Modern Day Matchmaker. It can also be found on the homepage of my website, LiaraHoffman.com. There's a link there where one can purchase it through the website. I would be delighted to get feedback from any of your listeners who get the book and have comments because... I have been just delighted to hear some of people's reactions to the book. Yeah, and how do people find you? Like, how do they hear about your services? Basically, word of mouth. And if people are looking for a matchmaker, they tend to Google matchmakers, and I come right up. I've been doing this a long time. A lot of people know me in the community. It's not hard to find. I have been around a long time, so... I can remember when I networked decades ago, I had a call, for example, from a woman who said, I had your card on my desk for 10 years. I told myself when the time was right, I was going to call you. And she's a client of mine now happily dating someone. If you had to give our audience who is listening out there a few takeaways, what would those be? Number one, there's no substitute for the personal touch. I believe in every situation. Just as you wouldn't hire somebody based on a resume alone, you'd have to sit down and interview them. Love and relationships start with conversation and then spending time with someone. And there are no shortcuts to that. Plus, it's a process. People expect to be hit over the head with that bolt of lightning right away or sometimes they're not interested. 
And in my experience, it's a gradual process, or it should be, if it's going to be a healthy relationship. And that's what I'm all about, helping people develop. It takes time, and people need to be open to that process. In fact, it's much more romantic when things are on sizzle for a while before they go to full boil. People need to be just embracing each stage of a relationship. It's never too late. That's true, though. Even in a friendship, you have to figure each other out. We have our good days and bad days. But this goes into like self-care. We were just talking about self-care last week, too, on our podcast. I feel like love, though, can make or break you. Absolutely. And it's a complicated word. Yeah. Everybody's going to have a different definition. It's going to mean something to everybody else. I think at the end of the day, it's two people who genuinely care for one another and who support one another and don't judge one another and to be there for one another and to be a great life partner. Absolutely. You know it when you experience it. It's hard to define, but you know it when it's right. You know, that's what I always tell people. Trust your instincts. Maybe one day we can just do a live podcast game show or something. Oh, that would be fun. I've actually heard- Come on down. I've heard of senior speed dating. Yeah. Um, There was a a movie made about that, about people in their 80s and 90s and speed dating. And and it was fascinating. I remember the older shows back in the day, the dating game shows, where they wouldn't be able to see each other, you know, and then there would be three on each side, three women, three men, and they'd give them their hearts or whatever it was. (laughs) I think about that. How fun would that be? We could do it live. I I think we would be a good host. Yeah. We'll have to get that on the books. All right. Maybe when the weather gets nicer and Leor's up for it. (laughs) We'll find a senior living community that we don't get thrown out of. Leor, thank you so much for joining us today on the Senior Soup Podcast. This was a personal favorite of mine. Me too. I love love. So this was amazing. Just as a reminder, new episodes of the Senior Soup Podcast are released on Mondays at 9 a.m. That is right, Raquel. Mondays at 9 a.m. is when we release them. The Senior Soup's listening audience can listen to the Senior Soup Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeart, Pandora, and all the major podcast directories. All the above. That's right, all the above. Also, Leora, did you know that you can listen to the Senior Soup on Amazon Alexa? If you have those little creepy machines around your house like I do, you can say, Alexa, play the Senior Soup podcast on Amazon Music. And you can also ask Alexa to add to your Amazon cart Leora Hoffman's book, Catch Me a Catch Chronicles if a Modern Day Matchmaker. If you would like to leave us some nice feedback, you can email us at feedback at theseniorsoup.com and be sure to visit our website at theseniorsoup.com for all the latest episodes and content where we will feature Leora's photograph and book and this latest podcast. Thank you both so very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. This was fun. Love one another and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. That's a wrap.